Hello there again, and welcome back to One Controller Report Podcast, the podcast featuring me, myself, and I, here to talk to you about video games and stuff for a very short period of time. Uh, this week might actually be more on the normal schedule, because last week I was re-explaining anything since I'd been so long since I've posted a video uh, episode, well, video too, but episode uh, of the of the podcast. Um so we're going to go ahead and get started, although I would like to mention that I I had a, so I, I used a Microsoft, or a Microsoft Live Chat uh, LX3000. I used to use it for my videos for a long time, but I also use it for playing games now. Um, and the microphone died on it, so I, try, I was like, I'm going to try a new headset. So I bought a gaming headset, and I already forgot what it's called. Um... Electricity Scroll Gaming Headset HZPX. Uh, it was cheap. I'm not I'm not a big spender on this kind of stuff. Um, and it reminded me, I hate how gaming accessories look. When you plug it in, like the ear pieces light up with like an S on it. And it has like a bunch of black sharp angles. I really hate gaming accessories, gaming PC cases, things like that, but... Yeah, that's a good that's a good time. I uh, I can play more Battlegrounds and um, God Eater without having to use an external microphone because that was a pain in the butt. A external uh, like I'm using my my snowball right now and I was using that for gaming and it's a it's a pain to have to like move it around all the time. Anyway, so I'm gonna go ahead and get started on on a a news story here, uh, particularly that. NT Creates is no longer involved in the main development of Bloodstained. And and exactly why they're not involved is unclear. It could be they just finished the work they needed to do on the game. Uh, it could be something happened where they uh, were, were removed from the project, or maybe they just got busy. They're a small company, and they work on a lot of projects, so I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up just getting busy doing other things and had to take a step back. And then, uh, uh, I forget the company that does actually develop, uh, Bloodstained in this part. My mind is saying Game Arts, but I think that's, like, the Grandia developers who also worked on, like, Smash Brothers? Smash Brothers Brawl, specifically? Um, anyways, uh, so, so they are no longer working on the project. And, uh, I, I did write an article a while back ago criticizing Bloodstained pretty hard, um, it's a game that's heavily based off of Castlevania Area of Sorrow, and uh, it was kickstarted uh, to be a really Symphony of the Night style game. But it's it's definitely taking the 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 Area of Sorrow style uh, from the Castlevania series, um, and uh, basically what they've shown so far um, has been incredibly uh, standard. For that series, that was a franchise that really started to uh, get stagnant for a while. Uh, I really wouldn't say until arguably Portrait of Ruin, but most definitely Oracle of Ages, or not Oracle of Ages, <laughs> um, uh, Order of Ecclesia, the two last DS centuries, um, that they were very samey for years, uh, from probably 2000, 2003 to 2008. Um, 
And and I was hoping that when when they moved over to the Kickstarter project and you know had to rebuild the game from the ground up, they would have really done something to to make it feel different. But the E3 demo from last year, I believe, yeah, 2016. Um, even the enemies were just like blatant. Like you could match them up to Castlevania enemies in terms of their animation, how they died, how they attacked. Everything like that. It was really kind of crazy how close it was. Um, and I just... I Area of Sorrow exists, and then there's Dawn of Sorrow after that. And then Order of Ecclesia is an extension of that Dawn of Sorrow. Um, an Area of Sorrow formula. So to see them roll it back to just say, let's just make Area of Sorrow again. It's kind of a pain. Area of Sorrow introduced the soul system where it's like... Um, when you kill an enemy, you can get a, a power based off their attack, and you have different types of souls. You have, like, three different categories of souls. Uh, I think there's one that's, like, a um, a, a kind of, like, buff that you just get, and then there's one that's, like, a bigger uh, attack move that you get that used a lot in P, and then you have little smaller ones that are more, like, sub-weapons in the traditional Castlevania, so they're, they're quick items you generally throw or have a very short effect with... Um, and um, uh, Bloodstain is doing that exact same thing. It's like here's these here's these categories, and and here are the souls for them, and they're named crystals now. But it's it's something that they made. You know, we're getting close. To like 15 years ago it was something that they it was something they created, and then they've iterated it on two other times. And I'm just like, I would I would rather you. If not, do something new, show that this is going to be pushed forward in some way. Um, but they haven't really shown anything like that. Uh, there is one aspect where you can use the right analog stick to manually aim, and that does uh, allow for some interesting uh, changes to some uh, attacks, like the, the bone blob is generally at a set angle in the traditional Castlevania, but in this game you can actually aim where it's going to be thrown from a single spot. And so that's a little change, but I'm hoping with that second analog stick, they'll, they'll really get creative with it and try to find ways to, to implement powers that you've never really seen in Castlevania before. Um, I went on a ramble, but basically the whole point with Enti Crates being taken off is I think Enti Crates is a good developer for taking retro releases and, and uh, recreating them for a modern audience. Um, I would say, I know that's an unpopular opinion, but I would say Mighty Number no. 9 is a really good example of that, of how they can take a old idea and make it feel like an old Mega Man game, but then add a new layer on top that makes it play differently in a way that it feels fresh. So you, you, Mega Man is on the mind while you're playing this game. Um, and in the end, I know a lot of people don't believe that's the case of that game, but I'll eventually i keep saying for years now <laughs> that i'll do a, a some kind of uh you know video or article about it that i want to go really in depth uh on my feelings on that but so th that was they were kind of my hope with that game is that they would, they would make a castlevania game that feels like a castlevania game but moves in a new modern way it's been almost 10 years since word of ecclesia um we had plenty and plenty of Metroidvanias over the years, so so something that kind of differentiates itself is, would be attractive to me. Um, and NT Creates has a track record of being able to do that with old retro RPs and 
now that they're off the project, I, I don't know if I have the confidence, especially if it was for reasons that they were pushed out, that I don't have the confidence that that game will will really satisfy that for me. So, so anyways, we'll go ahead and uh, move on, I think, to talk about a, a Japanese arcade game again. Uh, last week we talked about Oreka, which is like a kid's arcade game with cards that you do like RPG battles with. Um, the game I'm going to talk about this week is actually somewhat related. It's uh, also a Konami game and it's called Otokard. Um, and it is like a rhythm game um, with RPG elements as well. Uh, and you have two two characters, I think they're all females, um, who dance at each other. And then at the end of the dance cycle, uh, you can use your the energy you built up during those rhythm sections to do an attack on the opponent. Um, and then those, those, the energy you build up will actually carry over between turns, so you can use smaller attacks to save energy, or larger attacks to deal more damage. Um, and so this, this, this arcade machine actually uses the exact, as far as I know, the exact same hardware as, uh, Oreka. So it has two buttons and a lever in the middle. Um, which is kind of interesting because the rhythm game aspect of it uses not only the two buttons, but also the le- lever. So there's these uh, dots that come down the screen. It kind of looks like a, uh, if you're familiar with like poppin' music, it's more closer to that. But if you're into more mainstream stuff, it's like Guitar Hero where the notes come down on the screen and then you uh, hit the button to, to when it hits the line that you need to hit. Um, in this case, the, the attacks actually aren't randomized, or at least in terms of you're presented a list and you're able to choose from that list. So it's probably a bit more strategic than something like Odeka, at least in terms of the user input. Um, because there's only one character at a time, maybe there's... It, it's hard to say because a lot of these I can't play because they're in Japan. <laughs> um, but um, I could add, imagine on the, the actual user interaction uh, level, there is more strategy than setting up... Or, yeah, there's more strategy than just, you know, selecting a roulette. Um, and the, the music's pretty good. I like it a lot. Um, I see it, say it has, I don't know if the gothic lolita is maybe the best description of what the outfit design is in there, but it is a lot of like very frilly dresses. Um, there are a lot of slimmer dresses, but everything's a dress basically. Uh, <laughs> very rare that you get just like some normal outfits. There are some like Space Channel 5 looking outfits I really like in there, at least one. Um, but it's cute. It's got it's got a a nice style to it, and it's a card game as well. So um, it prints out cards um, for clothes, and so you can choose what clothes you have on your character. I think there's some stats associated with those clothes, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, and then at the end, you get like a, a photo op thing, and you can you can use the clothes you may have yeah, you just defeated from the opponent and put them on your character, and um, take a picture. And I believe when you take that picture, it actually prints out. A new card for you with your character um on that card and they like they, you can set up the pose and things like that it's it's nice um i would like to play it but again it's probably not ever going to come out here just because the actual card aspect of it uh, would mean people would have to actually get cards and i'm not actually sure how they're sold in japan if they're sold in stores or if you only get them from the machine itself either way i'd like to play it but who knows probably never we'll see um, so yeah, so we'll go ahead and switch over to our next segment here, um, the fortune cookie segment. 
where I open a random fortune cookie from a game in my collection, and we're just going to talk about that game for a little bit. So let's go ahead and open that cookie. Got, I got a good one. <laughs> this episode might be just as long as the last one with all these games I, I actually really want to talk about. Uh, Fantasy Star Zero for Nintendo DS. Uh, I love this game. It is my favorite Fantasy Star game, probably. Uh, keep in mind, I have not played Fantasy Star, the RPG ones on the Genesis. Um, I've only really played the Fantasy Star Online series, um, which is a series I really like. And it's one of those, I would say, like a lot of people who get that one series where they don't mind if it changes much. They just It's just kind of comfortable to play. Fantasy Star Online is definitely one of those for me, although I have not played Fantasy Star Online too much. Um... It's just, even if not much has changed, um, I can just really get into it. So so what's interesting about Fantasy Star Zero, though, is that it's actually kind of a spinoff of the Fantasy Star Online series. Uh, so what happened was Fantasy Star Online came out. They made Episode 1, Episode 2, uh, Episode 3, the card game, which I, I hope I can talk about that someday because that's actually a game I really like. Um, and then they made Fantasy Star Universe for the PlayStation 2. Uh, there's also Fantasy Star Online Episode 4. But I think that came out after Fantasy Star Universe. Anyways, so Fantasy Star Universe for the PlayStation 2 um, didn't really get received well. It was more, I don't know if I'd say it's more like an MMO, but it was more like an MMO, at least in the sense that there wasn't a ton of content, and the game was kind of, I don't know if shoddy is the right word, but it wasn't in great condition, and they patched it over time. So it's it's more like an MMO of they didn't make a complete game first, they, they built it up. Um, but uh, what Fantasy Star Universe, that section of the series, did was it kind of made Fantasy Star more flashy in a lot of ways. It was a lot more about special kills, or these things called, or special skills. There's these things called photon arts that the player uh, attaches to their weapons, and uh, you do basically your combo, and then you'd have that photon art. And um, there was a lot of releases in the Fantasy Star Universe line. There's the actual expansion to that game, Ambitions of the Illuminous. Um, there's an episode three expansion. I don't know if that has a tr an actual name. Uh, and then there is Fantasy Star Portable on the PSP, which is basically a port of Ambitions of the Illuminous. Um, and then there's Fantasy Star Portable 2 and Fantasy Star Portable 2 Infinity, which never got released here. The original Fantasy Star Portable 2 did, though. Um, and it kind of built, these games all kind of continued to build on Fantasy Star Universe and, uh, made it more about using photon arts efficiently there's this chain system where if you melee enough you get you know this chain combo up and then you can use your photon art and deal a lot of damage um it fundamentally it's still a fantasy star online game but the pace in the game changed significantly um in a way that i think could alienate a lot of people who played fantasy star online uh it's just a very very differently paced game um fantasy star online is a very slow uh brooding i don't know if brooding's the right word but it's very slow <laughs> um and and it's very simple it's a three hit combo and that's about it that's all your capabilities are outside of you know what spells you have and there is a photon blast but it's a very i want to say a very rare occurrence but it only happens like one one run uh, one per run or something like that, or, you know, 
maybe if you get efficient about it, you know, a couple, but it's not something that you're regularly using in combat as something you're you're re- relying on each encounter. And so Fantasy Star Zero is kind of a return back to that that slower uh, pacing. It's, it's very focused on the one, two, three combo that the original Fantasy Star Online has. And um, there are photon arts, but they're not built in a way that they can be spammed. Uh, you have to actually charge them. So you attack and then you could charge and then you could use a photon art. Um, so it was a lot slower paced and uh, probably necessary in the Nintendo DS just from the hardware limitations. Um, I'm surprised they got up to four players on that system without... I don't think there were any frame rate issues really, but I don't think I played four players very often. Um, so yeah, it's just a nice return to that original Fancy Star Online style and I would say a much more fleshed out version than that. Um, there are limitations in terms of uh, there's not as much variety in terms of the visual design of the weapons, it's a lot of reskins, um, but there's a lot of story missions, there's a lot of different quests you can do, um, and the environments are, I think there's like seven or eight levels, it's a pretty significant chunk of levels, um, and unfortunately you can't play the game online anymore, um, but I, I, I had a really good time uh, playing it, and I, I like to call it the real Fantasy Star Online 2, because it has a lot more in common with Fantasy Star Online than Fantasy Star Online 2 has with Fantasy Star Online. Uh, Fantasy Star, the real Fantasy Star Online 2 that actually did come out, not my fake one that I call Fantasy Star Zero, um, is much more of an extension of the Fantasy Star Universe brand of game. Um, so it's it's definitely, I mean, Fantasy Star Online 2 sells it in terms of like marketing but uh, from a gameplay perspective it's very much a fancy star universe too so i could probably ramble on for quite a while about fancy star zero i guess the one last thing i will say is that the end game in fancy star zero is really crappy uh once you get to a certain point most of the drops come out of a hundred floor tower with five rooms on each floor and it's just the same copy and paste rooms over and over again. And it is single player only. So the end game gear, when you most want to do multiplayer gaming, um, is in the single player only part of the game where you cannot save and save your, or cannot save your progress. I mean, you can save, but you'll lose your progress in the tower. So it's just this really poorly designed end game section, and I would have much rather them to just exclude it entirely, actually, and and just distribute those drops around the actual game itself. Um, so there would have been a lot more variety, uh, because at the end it was just grinding these tower rooms by yourself over and over and over and over again. And uh, frankly, I never got any good drops, <laughs> so so it didn't really work out for me, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I love Fantasy Star Zero. That's a great Nintendo DS game, and as uh, I play a lot of Fantasy Star games alone, I'm weird like that. Um, but uh, if you're okay playing Fantasy Star Zero alone, or if you can get some friends to play locally. Um, I would highly recommend it. I think the English copies are a little expensive. Not expensive. They're about the the retail price still, I think, um, for used. Uh, but I think it. I think it's a game that's definitely worth checking out, especially if you really like the original Fantasy Star Online and you feel like the franchise isn't really for you anymore. It's definitely not the same as the original Fantasy Star Online, but it has a lot more in common.
So that's going to do it for this week. Um, I am going to... I feel like I should probably actually have some segues or something. <laughs> Rather than just like, anyways, let's move on to the next thing. But this is, you know, it's a learning process for me. Um, I'm hoping that maybe by... Maybe not next week, but the week after, uh, I might have some better equipment to better record audio. Right now I just have a... a snowball ice sitting on my desk with this little like standard stand i didn't buy anything expensive i just bought like a pop guard because i've been needing that my spec so i got got a spectrobes video coming i forgot i haven't said anything about that but um but a big issue i had with that uh video was that the audio had a lot of problems because i was speaking directly into a microphone and i wasn't thinking and when you do like peas and stuff like that it makes a really nasty sound um, so I'm getting an actual, like, wind blocker thing for the, um, for my microphone. And then I'm also gonna get a stand so I don't have to sit here and arch my, my back into this microphone as I talk. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that may be next week, that may be the week after, I'm not quite sure yet. So, we'll see how that helps with the audio, see, or if it helps the audio quality. If it doesn't, no biggie, it wasn't anything too expensive anyways. I, I'm, I'm a pretty cheap guy, unfortunately. <laughs> You guys get to suffer because of that, but but if I can get something that will um, that will make it a bit better for relatively inexpensive, uh, I will go for it. So that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening, and I hope you guys have a great week. Bye. <laughs>